Today we're talking about Jesus on trial before Pilate. A couple things. Number one, the hubris of humanity that we would put the Son of the living God on trial. Who in the world do we think we are? The hubris and the wickedness that we would find Jesus guilty and condemn him to death. It reveals the, the heart of the sin heart of people, yours and mine. We have a sin nature. Tragic. It's unbelievably tragic that we would do that. And then secondly, when I, Pilate, Pilate woke up Friday morning and he had no idea that he was going to have to make the most important choice of his life. He had no idea that, that he was going to have to decide for or against the Son of Man. Do I release him? Proclaim him innocent? Or do I condemn him to death? He, he woke up that morning having no intention of making that important decision. And my goodness, you're going to see he tried so hard to get out of it. He did not want to make that decision. He was desperate to avoid the choice. But he couldn't avoid it, and nor, neither can you or I. Uh, once we hear the gospel, we're on the hook to decide for or against Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the things that this story tells us and reminds us is that there is no neutral ground. You can't maintain uh, a, an undecided posture. You're either for me or against me, Jesus says. If you haven't decided for Jesus, you, by default, have decided against him. And Josh, I'm squealing. Do I need to change something? Well, Jesus went on trial six times, three before the Jews, three before the Gentiles. Uh, before the Jews, it was at the house of Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the acting high priest. Annas himself had been a high priest in the past. Second and third, it was before, uh, it was at the house of Caiaphas. And uh, the first trial was at night, or I should say Caiaphas' house, it was at night. And Caiaphas was there and the Sanhedrin, the 70, that would have been kind of like the Supreme Court of Israel. Uh, but it was an illegal trial because it, you weren't allowed to have a, a trial at night. But they paraded false witnesses, and that, it was during that trial that Caiaphas uh, said to Jesus this, Matthew 26, 63, and the high, or 62, and the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make, because Jesus had been silent, what is it that these men, nope, I feel like I'm totally off. Now here we go, yeah, 63, but Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You've now heard his blasphemy. What's your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they reconvened quickly in the morning to make it official and legal. Uh, and then they led Jesus away bound to uh, the palace of Pilate, who was the Roman governor, uh, the, otherwise called the Praetorium, uh, the governor's palace. Now, Pilate usually 
hung out at Caesarea on the coast, and I've been to his, to his place, pretty nice digs. Uh, but it was the Passover feast, and so he's in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was just packed with tens upon tens of thousands of people, and he needed to be in Jerusalem in order to ensure the peace. And so the Jewish leaders, uh, early in the morning, they bring Jesus to Pilate because they want Pilate to, they want to make sure that they get on Pilate's docket, right? Pilate in the morning kind of did the, the legal stuff. The Jews didn't want to enter Pilate's house because Pilate's a Gentile and they, were, they all wanted to eat the Passover meal that day and they were afraid that if they entered a Gentile's house, they would become ceremonially unclean. Now that is a Jewish law that was added to the law of God. God never said that. That's not part of the Bible. God never said, interact with a Gentile and you become ceremonially unclean. But that's what they had gotten to. So they stay outside and they, and so, and they make Pilate come out to them. And Pilate asks, uh, what accusation do you bring against this man? Now, the first reply of the Jewish leaders was this. Hey, if he weren't guilty, we wouldn't be bringing him to you. In other words, we don't want you to retry this man. We want you to just accept our judgment and do our bidding. Kill him. Uh, and and Pilate, Pilate said, well, judge him by your own laws then. Well, we can't because we want to kill the guy. And Romans, you Romans have taken from us the power of the sword. Now, Rome allowed the Jewish council a lot of control over their place, but they did not allow them to kill people. That, the, the Romans reserved that for themselves. So we want Jesus killed, and we can't kill him, so you need to kill him for us. Well, Pilate's like, okay, well, what did he do? And so they, they make all kinds of accusations against Jesus, and the one that really does get Pilate's interest is, and he, he, he tells us we can't pay taxes to Caesar, and he proclaimed himself king of the Jews. What? And is he a threat? to Rome's power. So uh, Pilate re goes back inside, calls Jesus to him, and he, and he asks Jesus, are you king of the Jews? To which Jesus answers, are you asking me of this of your own accord, or did other people tell this to you about me? And Pilate seems kind of exasperated. He's like, I'm not a Jew. Your own leaders handed you over to me. What have you done? In other words, I don't, I don't have any skin in the game here. Why would I care? Unless you're an issue, you know, unless you're a problem to Rome, a threat to Roman power. So, are you a king? And uh, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would have been fighting to keep me from the Jews. But you are a king, Pilate asks. He's, he's zeroed in on that. You, you are a king. You have said, you say it is so. Uh, well, Jesus doesn't deny the fact that he's a king, because as you and I know, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But my kingdom's not of this world. I'm not trying to uh, uh, overthrow Roman rule and become king over this little country. No, he is the king of the kingdom of God. He is the king of the kingdom that will outlast this world, right? This world is going to eventually be destroyed and burned up, and God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and, and Jesus will rule over that for all eternity. And even right now, he rules, but he rules in the hearts of men and women who repent of their sins, put their trust in Jesus Christ, 
and follow him as Lord and Savior. So you are a Jew, or you are a king. You have said it is so. For this reason I was born. For this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. Bam. Now that has a direct implication to Pilate himself. A claim on Pilate. Pilate, are you on the side of truth? Because if you're on the side of truth, you would listen to me. Well, Pilate wants to avoid Jesus' claim upon his life, and so he deflects in the way that so many do. He deflects Jesus' claim, seeks to avoid it with a very postmodern response. Because his response is, what is truth? And then he leaves. He doesn't wait around for Jesus to answer the question. He doesn't believe there is a question or an answer to that question. He's certainly not interested in one. He gets up and leaves. Now, postmodernism is absolutely the world, dominant worldview in our culture. And, and it says many things, but one of the things it says is that in matters of religion and morality, there is no such thing as truth, or at a minimum, it cannot be known. So, and, and, and here's why. Because that deals with a realm that is um, outside uh, the material, it's not validatable, it's not examinable with like the scientific method. It, it, it's one thing to say 2 plus 2 equals 4 because you can prove it or disprove it. You can e examine it. But claims about who God is, claims about sin, claims about right and wrong, claims about life everlasting. I mean, come on. Who could possibly know that? So either there is no truth in those realms or at a minimum that truth is not knowable. And if it's not knowable, then I don't need to know it, and I don't need to live in harmony with it, right? I can just go do and believe what I want. And that's what Pilate is saying. Uh, it's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Pilate, that's what Pilate's saying. What is truth? And walks out. And he thinks he's avoided Jesus' claim upon his life. But, but listen to what Jesus is saying. It's incredibly profound. What Jesus is saying is, number one, there is truth, in the realms of religion and morality, because that's what Jesus taught on, right? For this reason I have been born, for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. There is truth. Number two, that truth can be knowed, known because I have testified to it. I am the man from heaven. I am the son of the living God, the second person of the Trinity. I created the world, right? That's what John says. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. The word was with God. The word was God. In, and, and through him all things have been made. He's the creator. He has come down, entered our world to tell us the truth about the things we could not otherwise know. I have come to testify to the truth. All who are on the side of truth, listen to me. There is truth. Truth can be known. And the only way to know the truth is to listen to me. Do you want to know about what happens after death? You listen to Jesus. Do you want to know who God is? You listen to Jesus. Do you want to know who you really are and how to deal with your sins? 
You know, you want to know how to find forgiveness? You want to know what is right and what is wrong? You listen to Jesus. If you, if you plug your ears to Jesus, you, pl you plug your ears to truth. It's tragic. And yet so many people are doing, so many people are Pilate. Don't be Pilate. Jesus has made a claim upon your life. He's made a claim upon my life. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. That, but you can turn yourself, you, you can tune out, you can plug your ears to the truth, or you can listen to Jesus, follow Jesus, and all of a sudden you enter into the truth that saves you and actually saves you from hell and grants you heaven and saves you from uh, all the cul-de-sacs of life that our own blindness takes us into, and all of a sudden we get onto the path that, that leads to life and life to the full. Boy, do not tune Jesus out. Well, Pilate goes back out to the crowd uh, or to the Jewish leaders, and he says, look, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. And, and they say, and so, you know, he seems pretty innocent to me. And the religious leaders, no, he's been leading the nation astray. And all, the, all over Judea, all the way up to uh, Galilee, he's, and, and Pilate, what? Gal is he from Galilee? Yeah, he's from Galilee. Well, Pilate sees a way out. Then send him to Herod. Because Galilee is Herod's jurisdiction. Now, Herod uh, happens to be in Jerusalem at this time because he's also there for the Passover. A uh, little, little bit of politics. Remember the Herod who had the babies of Bethlehem killed when Jesus was born 30-some years earlier? That's Herod the Great. And he, when he died, he divided his kingdom in, uh, between his three, th three sons. And he, you had Philip who was way up north and in east, he got that section. Um, and then Herod Antipas got Galilee and the Transjordan. And then Archelaus got Judea. But Archelaus was such a terrible leader that the Jews uh, petitioned Rome to kick him out and replace him with a Roman governor. Please, Rome, come. You rule us. This this Idumean is a terrible. And so they did. In 6 AD, a Roman governor came and began to rule over Judea. Pilate's just the, the, the latest Roman governor in line. But, but up there in Galilee, that's still, that's still Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas is in Jerusalem, and Pilate sees a way out. Hey, let me just punt this problem right over to Herod. Uh, now, Herod is excited to meet Jesus. He's heard all about Jesus, and in particular, he's excited because he thinks Jesus might perform a miracle. He wants to be entertained. And so, hey, yeah, bring him on over. And he begins to ask Jesus all kinds of questions. Jesus is totally silent. Well, I'm, I, I think that after a while, Herod must have gotten angry at being ignored and so it devolves into Herod and his uh, soldiers mocking Jesus. They, they dress him up in kind of um, fine clothing, mocking him as a king. And eventually, they grow tired of him, and they send him back to Pilate. Ah, here he comes again. Pilate has been uh, unable to avoid making a decision on Jesus, even though first attempt was, you guys judge him. Second attempt, send him over to Herod, let Herod deal with it. But Jesus is back in his lap. 
So he has a, he, he, well, he goes back to the Jews and he says, look, I didn't find any of your charges valid. Herod didn't either. So can I just punish the guy and then, you know, I'll just, I'll just have him beaten and then release him. No, crucify him. Ugh. So Pilate comes up with an, another stratagem to avoid having to decide. And it's, ooh, on the Feast of Passover, I historically released to you uh, the prisoner of your choice. Well, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have Barabbas, the notorious Barabbas, who's a bandit and a murderer and participated in an insurrection that brought down the wrath of Rome on you guys, or you can have the king of the Jews. And I think that Pilate was thinking, they're gonna, the crowd's going to say, do we want Barabbas back on the streets? No way. Let's take Jesus. Instead... However, the religious leaders are out amongst the crowd, stirring up the crowd and getting the crowd to, to clamor for Barabbas. We want Barabbas released. What? Well, then what am I going to do with Jesus, the, the, the king of the Jews? Crucify him. Crucify him. Why? What's he done wrong? Crucify him. So Pilate ends up releasing Barabbas. His third attempt to avoid having to decide is as has uh, gone wrong. Then he comes up with his fourth. He's like, you know what? This is a, this is a bloodthirsty mob. They are, they just, I'm going to have Jesus beaten, you know, right to the point of death. I'm going to bring him back out to the crowd, beaten and bloodied and kind of wavering on his feet. And maybe they'll give up this uh, cry for, for uh, killing him. And so Jesus, or um, Pilate, hands Jesus over to his soldiers and orders that he be scourged. Now, this is no slapping on the wrist, right? This is the cat of nine tails. Uh, this whip with, uh, a whip with leather lashes, and at the end of which are tied pieces of bone and metal. So that it, when it strikes, it buries, those pieces of bone and metal bury into the flesh, tears it goes in again. Now you're down into tendons, right? And very, very probably 39 lashes. Would have left Jesus completely uh, mangled, bloodied. Um, oftentimes the prisoners died from this. It was that brutal. In, in addition, the Roman soldiers were cruel. They concocted this crown of thorns and buried on his head. They're hitting him over the head. Um, spitting on him. They dress him up in a purple robe and hail king of the Jews, mocking him. And at the end of that all, Pilate then brings out the, this broken, bloody Jesus in front of the crowd. And he says, famous, behold the man. And I think what Pilate's saying is, Look at this guy. What possible threat does he pose? He has no followers. He's on the verge of death. He's bloodied. He's beaten. He's completely subdued. Let that be enough. But the chief priests and leaders have stirred up the crowd, and the crowd is not going to be satisfied with anything, anything less than crucifixion. We want him dead. And so 
Let me read to you from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19. A little bit longer section here. 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. By the way, uh, his wife had sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. I have suffered much because of him through a dream. And so he's gotten that word. Now he hears from, now he hears that that Jesus is claimed to be the son of God. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Don't you know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, let me pause there. Pilate is on the horns of a dilemma. On one hand, Pilate is convinced that Jesus is innocent. The Gospels tell us he he knows that the real motivation is jealousy. The Jewish leaders are jealous of Jesus. That's why they want him gone. That's why they want him killed. He knows that it is a great injustice that is being requested. And as a Roman governor in charge of the law and justice, that offends him, right? This guy's innocent. Of course, he's already beaten Jesus, which is a terrible abrogation of justice. But he doesn't want to kill him. But on the other hand, he cannot afford to have a riot. He can't afford to offend the Jewish leaders. Now, why? A little bit of backstory. Pilate's been governor now for five, six years. And what does Rome want? Uh, Rome wants peace and stability and taxes flowing, right? Rome does not want agitation, rioting, right? Disturbances. And so Rome has appointed Pilate to be governor of Judea, and he wants, they, they want calm and taxes. And Pilate's already made some stupid moves that have riled the Jews up. Uh, early on, he, he has his soldiers march into Jerusalem as a show of force soon after becoming governor, and he tells them to bring the Roman standard, which includes a bust of Caesar on the top, which the Jews take as idolatry, entering the holy city. And for five days, they uh, are down in Caesarea around 
Pilate's palace protesting. Pilate gets so upset that he rounds the, the protesters up into his uh, amphitheater. I've been there where he raced his horses. And he has his soldiers pull out the swords and he says, you disperse or I'm going to have you all killed. And the Jews bear their necks and say, kill us. They, they're just zealous for, the, for the, uh, the glory of God. And Pilate has to back down. He's not willing to slaughter them. He knows that Rome will not allow that. And so he has to back down. He's humiliated. He's lost this encounter. Well, then there's another one, um, probably in an attempt to honor Tiberius uh, when he becomes Caesar. He has these uh, golden shields put up in the, in the governor's palace in Jerusalem, and there's an inscription to the son of the divine Caesar, uh, a way of honoring Tiberius. Well, again, the Jews view that as idolatry, and, uh, and so they're going crazy, rioting. Uh, even Herod's sons, Herod Antipas and um, Philip, are p- trying to get Pilate to take these things down. Why rile the Jews up? But he's stubborn. Pilate's stubborn. Rome is the power. I'm not going to let these Jewish people push me around. Well, the Jews send a delegation back to Rome. Tiberius himself orders Pilate, get the shields down. Stop agitating these people. So Pilate is on thin ice. He's on a short leash, he, and, and the crowd knows it. The, the Jewish leaders know it, and that's why they say, if you release this man, you're not a, fr- a Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. See, they're threatening him, right? We're going to get word back to Caesar, to Tiberius Caesar, that you're not looking out for his interests. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. By the way, do not, do not um, ignore the unbelievable timing of Jesus' death. It takes place on the day of Passover when the Passover lambs are being killed. Jesus, the, the final Passover is killed on the cross for our sins. Amazing. God, or, God is orchestrating all of this. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. What a statement. The religious leaders of Israel have just they have just mouthed their, uh, their atheism, their rebellion against the, their, the true king. And they're about to kill his son. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. There's no doubt that Pilate was in a tight spot. But, Tyle, but Pilate still had a choice to make. And he still chose to do wrong. As Jesus said, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin, but Pilate still sinned. Now over in Matthew chapter 27, we read about a very interesting incident. Before handing Jesus over to be crucified, Pilate uh, washes his hands in front of the crowd. 
So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Do you see this? I just, I imagine Pilate, Pilate, Pilate knows Jesus is innocent. Delivering him to death is a great abrogation of justice. And then he, and somehow he convinces himself that he can say, take him away to be crucified and somehow not be responsible. And, and so he, you know, he washes his hands in front of the crowd, says, I'm not doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not making the choice that he just made. You see that? Now the crowd, the crowd, uh, and those, these are the Jews, they represent, you know, you've got the religious leaders, the crowd, it's representative of the, of the Jewish people. May his blood be upon us and on our children. All of humanity is complicit in the death of the Son of God, right? You have the Romans representing the Gentiles, and you have Pilate and the soldiers representing humanity, uh, the Gentile world, and then you have the crowd and the leaders representing the Jews. We all did it, right? Nobody is off the hook. But here's Pilate. I feel for Pilate. <laughs> Pilate so doesn't want to choose against Jesus, but he also can't, he, he can't bring himself to choose for Jesus, right? He absolutely could, and so could Herod could have as well. They had an opportunity to say, Jesus is innocent. I rule for him, release him. But that would have cost them something. For Pilate, it might have cost him his job, might have cost him his life, we don't know. But, it, but saying yes for Jesus, ruling in favor of Jesus, choosing Jesus would have cost them. They weren't willing to pay the cost. And, and although I can't say yes to Jesus, I so desperately don't want to say no to Jesus, and so I'm going to act like I didn't say no to Jesus when I just did and said, go crucify him. And, and I think that that is a picture of us. When you hear the gospel... When you hear the good news that God loved you enough to come to earth and he went and hung upon the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, you have a choice to make. You can't avoid that choice. You can wash your hands, but do you think God let Pilate off the hook? No. In fact, for 2,000 years, the church has said in the Apostles' Creed, suffered under Pontius Pilate, right? And, and so you can, add, you can say to yourself, Okay, no, no, I haven't chosen for Jesus. I'm not a Christian, but I haven't chosen against him. Yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't chosen against him. I'm just neutral. No, you're not. You're either for me or you're against me. And I, I, so I don't want any of us to leave today thinking we can maintain an agnostic stance toward Jesus and, and God rules us as in a neutral state. No, you're not. If you haven't chosen for Jesus, you have chosen against him, and it's that simple in the spiritual realm. And I need to say that <laughs> to us. One, la one last uh, thought as I, as, as I wind up. I want you to think about Barabbas. We don't know anything more about Barabbas. Bible tells us nothing, so I'm completely speculating. But I have to imagine Barabbas didn't stick around when he was released, right? I can't believe the crowd just told, chose me. Pilate just said I could go. 
he heads back, grabs his little belongings, and he's off. And he's now free in the streets of Jerusalem. And I have to think he knew what happened later that day. He might have known those other two guys who were crucified to the left and right of Jesus, right? And he might very well have seen the three crosses up there on Golgotha's hill. And he's thinking, I cannot believe I'm not up there. That Jesus' cross might very well have been prepared for Barabbas. I don't think it's a stretch to imagine Barabbas was slated to be killed that day. And Jesus is hanging on that cross. The only reason I'm not up there is because Jesus is up there. And I think that's, uh, that is the appropriate way for all of us to look at the cross. The only reason I'm not up there is because Jesus is up there. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. If I wanted to be rescued, I could call down angels from heaven. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus' death is not a tragedy. It, it is a terrible injustice done to him. But it was the victory of God. The great choreographer of the Easter events, not the Romans, not the Jews... God the Father, who from the beginning of time ordained to save us through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the great choreographer. And Jesus willingly hung on the cross so that you and I don't have to. So that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. But Jesus bears it on His own back that we might be forgiven. Do not, do not, do not waste the death of Jesus for you. Don't go carrying the guilt and shame that Jesus took upon himself. You and I can walk in freedom. We can be reconciled to God. Our sins can be forgiven. Eternal life can be our destiny, not punishment and hell. We have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. Let today be the day of decision, right? Behold, I stand at the door of knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him. I'll have a relationship with you, Jesus says. You don't have to get your life all in order in order to become a Christian. As many as receive him, to them gave he the right to become children of God. Every relationship starts in, it has a starting place, and it starts in a moment. And you just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want your death to pay the penalty for my sin. I receive you as my Savior and Lord, and I'm going to follow you. Help me be better and different. And God honors that. In fact, right now, let's just close our eyes, bow our heads. There are no magic words. God sees your heart. And I'll tell you, you can, you can make prayers. And if, if you have a cynical, mocking heart like Herod, God feels no need to answer you. But God says, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. God will make himself known. So if in, your, if, if in the sincerity of your heart you say, Jesus... I want to be saved by you. I receive you as the Son of God and as my personal Savior. God will honor that prayer. Your 
you will change. Your spiritual life changes. Your eternal destiny changes. Why do we know this? Because the Son of Man who testifies the truth has said it is so. Jesus, we believe you. In your name we pray. Amen.